Well, today we're going to continue and actually conclude our uh, series on love, life, and relationships. And uh, last week we kind of began this uh, journey together, and I hope that uh, uh, you had some fun. I told you we're going to have some fun talking about relationships. How many know relationships really are uh, foundational to life? You will never live the life God has called you to live apart from relationships. Now, I told you last week uh, that if you were here and you were single, let me see all of our single folks. Raise your hand really high and proud. Amen. Very good. All right. Very good on the front row. Miss Maria, isn't she awesome? Uh, for all you married folks, raise your hand if you're here today. You're married. That's awesome. And uh, awesome, wonderful. All right. Well, if you are here today and you are single, then we are going to give you some very practical tools uh, to help you in your journey, not just uh, in cultivating uh, friendships, but also in cultivating relationships uh, that would ultimately, ultimately advance you into a place of marriage. If you're single and you want to be married, uh, then uh, we're going to give you some real practical keys today from the Word of God uh, to help you really begin to measure uh, relationships. Because let me just encourage you in a simple thought. Relationships are a whole lot easier if they are built on a solid foundation. Uh, and if you are in a relationship, let me just interject this right now. If you are in a relationship with someone, a dating relationship, and you are praying and thinking, Lord, I hope they change, then get out of the relationship. You, you, do not, you do not engage, especially when it comes to getting married. You don't marry the potential of what a person could be. You marry the reality of who they are. And I have seen a lot of people marry potential, and unfortunately sometimes potential never develops. And then I've seen couples live their lives together frustrated and discouraged and constantly trying to change one another uh, in this constant battle of life. And I, I just want to say to you today that uh, if you are uh, single and in a dating relationship and you're constantly praying that God would change the other person, I really encourage you to step back from that relationship. And here's the great thing. It doesn't mean that relationship could never work. It just means that those foundational things need to be in place before we begin a relationship. If they become the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, then marry them and have a wonderful life together. But if they are not yet there and you're desiring them to be a totally different person, then please don't marry that person because it will wreck your life. And none of the married people want to say amen because that would look really bad. But all the married people know amen. Right? So, we're going to have some fun. <laughs> that sounded like a lot of fun, didn't it? We're going to have some fun. Let's get going on this thing this morning. Because, I mean, we, I, man, I just want to say we care about you. Man, I, I want to see healthy, godly marriages. I want to see healthy, godly relationships. God delights in that. Amen? God delights in those things. Now, if you are married and you're praying for your spouse to change, 
then hold on. Amen? Press on, learn. Let me, uh, John and Pam, y'all just go ahead and stand up right over here on to, to my far right. John and Pam, young blood, they do some awesome marriage counseling for us. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, if you need help, just, just make a beeline right after service. And uh, they, they'll be glad to help you. Jeff and Lily are in the back. Y'all go ahead and stand up. Man, we got some great counselors in the house. Jeff and Lily Stebbins. They actually oversee our counseling ministry. In case you did not know it, we do have Liberty Counseling. We have a full force counseling ministry here at Liberty. Uh, and uh, we can get you connect some great people that really care about you, want to help you grow and uh, become what God has for you. Uh, not just in marriages and not just in relationships, but in life. And so we want to help you out there. Well, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, the Bible says, Through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Look at verse 22. He says, And you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now, and we talked about that last week, so now, since you've been cleansed from your sins, you must... Show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Let's look at our first point. It was uh, here last week, but we're just going to revisit a couple thoughts and get to where we're going today. God calls us to live a life of sincere love and to be deeply connected to one another. Relationships are central to life. Relationships are central to life. And we literally just simply said that without relationships, our lives become barren, boring, and meaningless. I talked about those three things last week. I'm not going to re-preach that, but let me just say this to you real quickly this morning. Without healthy, godly relationships, your life will be barren. You will never produce the fruit of Christ in your life outside of relationships because we are called to go into all the world and make disciples. You can't make disciples without relationships. Amen? And uh, I want to just encourage you in this again. I, I believe that the bulk of our relationships should be godly, but how many of you also know that we need to be on purpose about building relationships with people that don't know God? We need to be on purpose about building relationships with people that don't know God. Now, your intimate relationships, your friendships, those people that are sharpening you and cultivating you and helping you become who you're called to be, I believe those people need to be believers. They need to be moving and growing in the things of God. But at the very same time, you need to have people in your life that do not know God. Because how are they going to know God if somebody that knows Him doesn't introduce them to them? To him. And, and there's a great little thought that simply says this. It is impossible to correct somebody until you first connect with somebody. Now, I'm not sure about you. I look at people sometimes. I look at our world, and, and I look at America, and I look at our nation, and I look at all the political stuff that's happening, and I think, man, we, are, we need Jesus. That's just what I think at the end of the day. We radically need Jesus. Jesus to work in our lives but but I look at relationships and people many times and I see so many self-destructive habits that are going on in people's lives and their lives are falling apart from within and many times I don't know about you guys but sometimes I just want to grab people and shake them and say listen you know y'all ever want to do that y'all are holier than I am I understand but 
But if, if you ever, you know, if you ever not that holy and sometimes you think about shaking people, well, you know, every now and then I think about shaking people and say, what are you doing? Would you please just listen, you know? And, and the reality is simply this. Uh, you really uh, are going to be fruitless in your ability to influence people for Christ until you first build a relationship with those people. We've all had people, maybe it was on your job, maybe it was in church, but have you ever had somebody that you really didn't know come up to you and just kind of give you a rebuke or a correction and, and you immediately thought, who are you? <laughs> who are you to be telling me how I ought to live? I don't even know you. What do you mean? Don't even talk to me. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I know, again, y'all are really holy, but for all your unholy friends, y'all can tell them to listen to this message because some people think that way, right? They get rebuked by somebody, and you're like, I don't know you. Don't be correcting me. I don't know you. Don't be speaking into my life. And the reality is this. The world thinks the same things about the church. We want to correct the world, but we have to first connect to the world. We have to build relationships with people that don't know God so we can begin to bring instruction, direction, and correction in their life that they can receive because they first know that we love them. Now, I don't have to go get drunk with them. I don't have to go party with them. I don't have to go sin with them to be a friend of sinners. I mean, you know, Jesus was a friend of sinners, and he never sinned. Amen? But you and I need to be on purpose about connecting with people that don't know God. And it's really as simple as praying and say, God, show me people, because every one of us in this room here today have people in our circles that do not know Jesus Christ. And we just need to ask God to give us clear direction. Lord, help me. Focus out that person. I want to begin to pursue them through a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Build a relationship with them so I can begin to speak life into their life so they can experience who Jesus is. Amen? Amen? There you go. Y'all help me out today. I need a little help. All right, so relationships are vehicles. Let's talk about that. Relationships are vehicles. And we said that relationships transport us into our future. Every relationship you're in today is taking you somewhere. Every relationship you are in today, every relationship is taking you somewhere. And the measuring rod of relationship, how do I know if this is a godly relationship or an ungodly relationship? How do I know if this is a healthy relationship or an unhealthy relationship? The measuring rod of relationship is not intention, it is direction. Right? When we got together, we intended to love God and love Jesus and serve the Lord together, but we don't do that anymore. When we got together, we intended to be pure and holy and righteous. Well, that didn't last very long. We, we intended right, to do all these things, and you can't measure relationship by intention because we all intended to do the right thing. We have to measure relationship by the direction. What direction is that relationship taking you? Now, just think about it. I want you to do something kind of maybe weird, but we're going to do it together anyway. So it's not as weird when we do it as a group, okay? So I, I want you to do this. I want you to, number one, I want you to think about a godly relationship. Think of a godly relationship in your life. Just think about some person, one person that you know without a shadow of a doubt, this is a godly relationship. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's, maybe it's your best friend, maybe it's uh, somebody in your life, whatever it is, but think about that person. This is what I can tell you about that person that you're thinking about. That relationship moves you toward God's purpose for your life. That relationship cultivates in your heart a desire to serve God and love God. 
and become the person that God has called you to be. Every time that godly relationship moves you in that direction, there is a compelling that happens when you get around them, right? Miss Diana just got back from uh, Uganda a little over a week ago, and uh, her and Rod lead our missions ministry. We sat down this week, and, and uh, you know, I just, when I talk to Diana, and I get around her, and we communicate, it stirs up in me a heart for missions. It just draws out. Something that doesn't naturally come out of me, it just draws out this desire to want to go to the other side of the world <laughs> and preach the gospel. And, and that's the reality of godly relationships. Godly relationships move you in a direction that honors God. Now, now let's do this. This is not as fun, but go ahead and think back. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's been a really long time, but think back to what could be the most ungodly relationship you've ever been in. And this is what I can tell you about that relationship. The direction that it took you was away from God, away from purpose, away from his glory, away from his calling, away from his goodness, away from the standard of God. It took you down a road of death, destruction, pain, heartache, deception, lies, manipulation, corruption, greed, perversion. It took you there. It took you there. The godliest relationship you've ever been in moves you in a direction toward the Lord. Ungodly relationships always move you in a direction away from what God has for your life. And so how do we measure relationships? Direction. What direction is this relationship moving me in? Now part of the purpose I believe that God wants to do through this series is to cause us to evaluate our relationships. Now if you're married, there is no easy way out. There is a good way forward though. God wants to do good things in your marriage. God wants to strengthen you. God wants to cultivate you. And God wants to help your marriage to be stronger. If you are single and you are in the middle of relationships, man, this is so key because some of you today literally need to step back from some ungodly relationships because of the direction it's moving you in. The direction, that's how you measure it. Not intention. Intention is deception, right? We all intended, right? We all intended. It is now February 14th, and by now, January 1, we all intended to lose 20 pounds and save $500. Intention is deception. Amen? So you measure relationships by the direction that they move your life in. So let me give you six keys to healthy or godly relationships. Uh, let's look at uh, our scripture together. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3, 6, and 14. The Bible says, We live in such a way, Paul is speaking, that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault. I want to talk about this with our ministry. So Paul is talking about ministry. We talked about this last week. This scripture, the context of scripture, is Paul is really talking about his ministry. And he's talking about creating a ministry uh, that will cause no one to stumble and that people will not be able to find fault with their ministry. He's, he's trying to build a ministry that the Bible calls being above reproach. It's one of those things where Paul said, you could look at my ministry and there would be nothing that would cause you to stumble and nothing that would cause you to find fault. Now let me just say for all the married people in here today, we have an opportunity to set a model for marriage 
that will not cause our children to stumble or find fault. A couple years ago, several years ago now, Pastor Rick, when he came into the church, he got saved, got set free, and about a year into the process, he met with me one day, and we were sitting in my office, and he made this statement to me. He said, Pastor Keith, I want you to know, he said, Dusty and I, we don't have a model of a biblical marriage. So we are pattering, patter, we are, somebody say it for me? Pattering. I said it right the first time, right? Pattering. We are pattering our marriage after you and Kelly. No pressure. He said, we don't have a model, so I want you to know that your marriage is now our model. We are watching you. <laughs> and I went home and told Kelly, we are in trouble. Lord, help us. Jesus, come on. Man, what a, what a sobering thought. What a sobering reality that they were watching us. And you know what? Your kids are watching you. Your grandkids are watching you. And not just your kids and your grandkids. You know what? The world is watching you. People are looking, they are desperately looking for couples, for marriages that, that will not cause them to stumble or find fault. I mean, there are more and more people today in our culture that are not getting married. They're just living together. The Bible, by the way, calls that sin. They are living together in sin because they have abandoned the idea of marriage because they don't see any models. And so we have a great opportunity, not just responsibility, we have a great opportunity as married couples to set a model that would cause our children not to stumble, not to find fault, but that they, wouldn't it be great that your kids grew up and said, I want to have a marriage just like my parents did. But I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of the kids we talk to today, they say exactly the opposite. If that's what marriage is, I don't know that I even want to be married because the only time mom and dad talk to each other is when they're screaming. The only time they have anything to do with each other is when they're arguing. And I'm not really sure I even want to get married if that's what marriage is all about. And so I want to just say to us today, there is hope in Christ. Amen. And change begins in me and change begins in you that we begin to commit ourselves to having not just a ministry but a marriage that is, that is without fault and that doesn't. Now, without fault doesn't mean perfect. We know none of us are perfect, but it, it, but it exemplifies an example that people can follow after that would give life to them. Amen? All right, verse 6 says, he says, and we prove ourselves, and he gives us six keys, six characteristics that, that define uh, what he considers to be a healthy, godly ministry. And as I shared with you last week, the Lord told me those same models, the same model for ministry is the same model for relationships. He said, we prove ourselves by our purity, by our understanding, by our patience, by our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. In verse 14, he says, And do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness. So he says it is, it is critically important that you be rightly connected to the right people. It is critically important that you be rightly connected to the right people because if you get unequally yoked together with the wrong person, 
it will never produce the fruit of righteousness. And let me just say this to you. That's not just true of dating or marriage relationships. That's true of business relationships. I can't tell you how many businessmen I've talked to that have went through great financial loss. And at the end of the day, they said this. I knew I shouldn't have went in business with that guy. He wasn't a Christian. He lacked integrity. He didn't have character. But he had a promise of great return. And the only one that got the great return was him. <laughs> because he robbed me blind. See, the, the, the principle of being unequally yoked together is not just true about marriages. It's true about all relationships, friendships. How many friendships have been deteriorated and destroyed because one friend stabbed the other friend in the back repeatedly, right? <laughs> you can't have a godly relationship with an ungodly person. And so the reality is that Paul says it's significant that we understand we got to be rightly yoked with people if, we're gonna, if we want our relationships to produce the right kind of fruit. So let's talk about these six keys. We talked about three of them last week. I'm just going to read them to you. If you want to hear the breakdown of them, you can listen to last Sunday's sermon. It's on the website. We talked about purity. We said godly relationships are pure. They're clean. They're unmixed. They are undefiled. They are pure physically and spiritually. Uh, the second key we talked about was understanding. We said godly relationships are understanding. They have a common knowledge or intelligence. There is a compatibility that creates intelligent conversation and interaction. And number three, last week we talked about patience. And we said that godly relationships are patient. Uh, they have stability and a self-restraint that does not retaliate a wrong. Patience creates longevity and cultivates a covenant mentality. Let's look at key number four. This is where we're going to go today uh, is kindness. Godly relationships, Paul said, are kind they produce moral excellence and character. And let me just let me say this real quick. The word kind uh, in the Greek there, when Paul says that we proved our ministry by our kindness, the word kind literally means moral excellence, specifically in the area of character integrity. So when Paul says we were kind, he did not mean that the proof of our ministry was that we were really nice to each other. It wasn't that they were really nice. He said the proof of our ministry is that there was a moral excellence that produced Christ-like character in our lives. And he said it was through that kindness, that it was through that moral integrity and excellence that we are able to prove that we are who we say we are and that our ministry has value and validity. And I want to say to you today, for you and I to have healthy relationships, godly relationships, godly relationships produce moral excellence in our character. They sharpen us and raise the bar morally in our life. Now think about that. Think about relationships that don't do that. I mean, all of us have probably been in relationships. You ever been in a relationship where, you know, when you get around this guy or this group, you know, you actually uh, lower the standard of your morality. Right, because you, you, you actually, you, and you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, there's, there's those folks that you hang out with, young people at school and, and on your jobs and maybe even family and friends. And, and you know, just like I know, that there are some people that when you get around them, instead of raising the bar of your moral excellence, 
it lowers the bar of your moral excellence. And all of a sudden, you start using words you would never use in church. You start telling jokes I could never tell from the pulpit. And you start engaging in sexual conversations that should probably never be engaged in outside the covenant and context of you and your spouse. And, and the reality is, is that when you find yourself in a relationship that lowers the standard of your morality, it ought to ring a bell. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Something is wrong. This is not a healthy, godly relationship. This is not a healthy, godly relationship. Now, I, I want to just say something too because it's real easy kind of talking in this context that we're talking in. It's real easy for us to say, well, you know, every time I hang around Bill, I say things I shouldn't say. We talk about stuff I shouldn't talk about. And so Bill is a bad influence on me, so I don't need to hang around with Bill. Let me just say something very clear to you. That is 100% probably true. Bill is probably a bad influence on you. You probably don't need to hang around Bill. But here's a reality. You cannot lay the responsibility of the, the lowering of the standard of your morality on Bill. Because let me give you a great truth. You can't draw out what's not already in. See, see, all Bill does is when you get around Bill, Bill just draws out some things that are still in you. He draws out some perversion and he draws out some profanity and he draws out some corruption that has been undealt with in your own heart. And so all Bill does is Bill manifests what is in you. So you just can't blame Bill. Now, you probably don't need to be best friends with Bill, but you need to step back from that relationship and realize if my moral standard can be lowered so quickly just by hanging out with Bill, there is something dramatically wrong in my heart. And so we got to understand that godly relationships raise the bar. They raise the bar. It, 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 it ought to be like, and this is just a, 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 a bad but really good example, so I'm going to give it to you. Godly relationships ought to do to you what happens when you hang out with the preacher. See, I, I like it. When I, when I meet new people, I try not to tell them I'm a preacher because I want to see who they really are. Because the moment I tell them I'm a pastor, it changes. Right? I get their Sunday morning Christian ease. They tell me about when they read the Bible and all this stuff that I know ain't real. But here's the reality. Godly relationships ought to raise that bar in you. When you're in a godly, healthy relationship, it ought to draw out the best in you, not draw out the worst in you. It ought to magnify the heart that you have for God. It ought to magnify the purity that you have in your life. It ought to magnify the hunger that you have for the Lord. 
I mean, Brother Glenn over here, I mean, I, I love Brother Glenn. He loves to pray. And when I get around him, just like when I get around Diana, I mean, I want to pray. I want to I just lay on my face and cry out after God. Why? Because when you're in a godly relationship, it just draws that out of you. It raises the bar. And so we need to begin to understand that, that, that the, the measuring rod of our relationships is, again, that direction. And so how do I measure my relationships? Is there kindness? Is there moral excellence that produces the character of Christ? Because if not, I need to step back, and number one, I need to evaluate my own heart, and I need to let God crucify some things in me that have not yet been crucified. Go ahead, back, back up to Proverbs 27. Let's just give that. Proverbs 27, 17. Many of you know it as iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So one of the keys for all you single people for a healthy relationship, don't date somebody that when you hang out around them, your moral standard lowers. Don't date them. You can pray for them. You can invite them to church. You can sit next to them in church. But don't date them. Don't date that person that lowers your moral standard. Don't date that person that causes you to compromise sexually or purity. Don't date that person that brings your language down to a level that would make a sailor blush. Don't date that person. Don't date that person that causes you to feed an addiction that's destroying your life. Don't date that person. Don't give your heart to them. Don't, don't, open, don't open, open your soul to that person. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, the odds are not in your favor. People typically get worse and worse, not better and better. <laughs> Apart from Jesus, there is no progress. And so I want to encourage you today, that moral standard, that kindness of the Lord, that character of excellence that is in your life, when you are in a relationship, it ought to raise it up. Now let's, let me just give you another example, we're going to move on. Just, just think about it this way. We, we've all had, maybe, maybe you've had some friendships like this where, where you're committed to serving the Lord and you're on fire for Jesus and then you get in a relationship and they say, oh man, what are you doing Sunday? Well, we're going to church. Well, church, well, we always go hang out at the lake. Why don't you come hang out at the lake with us on Sunday? What are y'all doing Friday night? Well, Friday night we're in a small group. Small group, man, that's when we go out to the movies. We go out to eat. Why don't y'all come to the movies go out to eat with us? Man, what, what, what you doing on your lunch break tomorrow? Well, on lunch break, I usually take my quiet time, and I, I spend a little time with the Lord. Well, man, why don't we just go hang out? You know, there's, there's a good restaurant over here. Why don't we go fellowship together, and we'll talk, and I'll even buy you a drink. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the moral standard of your life begins to fade. Now, again, we can't cast stones at the people. We have to step back and evaluate our own hearts 
and recognize, number one, that's not a, a right relationship for me. To, it's not a healthy relationship for me to be in. And I need to let God continue to work on my heart, which is even more reason for me to be rightly connected with the right people. Amen. All right, let me give you key number five. The Holy Spirit. Godly relationships fuel the fire of the Holy Spirit, and they produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. One of the greatest advantages that you have as a Christian is you have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And all of us have probably got into relationships with people. And on the front end, we knew by the Holy Spirit. Right? You ever got that little check? And again, that check doesn't mean they're a bad person. That check means they're just not the right person for you right now. That check means that's not the direction that you're supposed to go in. That check means that's not the purpose you're supposed to be pursuing. And so Paul said one of the ways that we prove our ministry is by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit manifests himself in the midst of our ministry. We see the work of the Spirit as a result, he said, you can see the work of the Holy Spirit in our ministry, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit in our ministry that proves that this is a God thing. Well, the same is true of relationships. Your relationships ought to cultivate and fuel and feed the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life, and they ought to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let, let me give you two scriptures, First Thessalonians. 519 says, do not quench the spirit. The word quench literally means to extinguish the fire. Ephesians 4.30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The word grieve literally means to grieve, to cause to mourn, to bring sorrow to. See, when you are in a, when you are in a relationship that continually quenches, extinguishes the fire of God, you were passionate about God, now you're not really. You were hungry for God, and now you're not so much. And you were pursuing God, but now I'm just kind of taking a break. All because of relationships. We've all seen it. Every one of us has seen it. We've seen people that we love, people that we care about, get in relationships, and those relationships extinguish the fire of God. Godly relationships fuel the fire. Godly relationships feed the fire. Godly relationships stir the fire up in your heart and cause you to be more passionate and more on purpose for who Jesus is. It also produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Look in Galatians chapter 5. It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's just look at that for a second. How many of you understand there are some relationships that you're in that when you get around that person in five minutes, you are fighting mad? <laughs> and every time you leave that relationship, you leave frustrated, you leave discouraged, you leave angry, you leave all kind of everything but that. <laughs> right? 
Now, again, if, if, if that is a relationship, because when you're reaching lost people, sometimes you get very discouraged and very frustrated. And, very, and so if you're in a relationship with a lost person and you're pursuing them for Christ, you, you, you're probably going to feel a lot of that stuff. But if this is supposed to be a godly relationship, and every time you get around that person, you leave frustrated, discouraged, disheartened. Oh, let me, let me just throw this out. Every time you get around them, you leave with gossip in your mouth. <laughs> well, that's fun. Preach it, preacher. Right? Every time you get around them, you leave with gossip in your mouth. Every time you get around them, you take up their offense that they have with another person in the church, in the family, on the job. Ungodly relationships produce gossip and discord and discontention and jealousy and anger and outburst of wrath. That is not the work of God. That is the work of the flesh. See, how do I know I'm in a godly relationship? It'll produce the fruit of the Spirit. It'll produce love, joy, and peace. Patience. We were, we were talking, Kelly and I were talking not long ago, and uh, Mother Mary uh, is uh, Pastor Rod's wife, Marvelous Mary, he calls her, and uh, Miss Penny, who is another pastor's wife in our network, great lady, she, she made this statement. We were talking at the conference a couple weeks ago, and she said, yeah, if you ever want somebody to baby you, don't call Mary. <laughs> she said, because she'll tell you to suck it up and get over it. And love your husband. <laughs> How many of you know we need people like that? Now, we need compassionate people. We need people that will weep with us and people that will cry with us. But we need people that will produce the fruit of God's Spirit in our life. Let me give you our last point. Key number six. Go ahead and get to the next one. They can read that when we get home. Let's talk about sincere love. Key number six. Sincere love. Godly relationships are motivated by love. It is a selfless love that places great value upon the other person's well-being. When Paul says that we are to love each other with a sincere love, the word there is uh, agape love. It's the same word used in 1 John that says God is agape. God is love. It is a benevolent love. It is a love that, that loves, that sacrifices for the well-being of the other person. Right? God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. And, and understand this, that, that a sincere love or a sacrificial love or a selfless love is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. Godly relationships are motivated by this type of love. It is a desire to add value to the other person. See, if, if you're single and you're in a relationship with another person and that relationship, we've all seen this, we've all seen people dating and, and the dating relationship is really all about one person. And that one person gets up every day and says, well, I wonder what you're going to do to make me happy today. If you're dating and you're in that relationship, run. Quickly. Because they will suck the life out of you. See, godly relationships create a mutual love 
where both people are motivated by a sincere desire to add value to the other person. That I'm willing to sacrifice for you and you're willing to sacrifice for me. And the reality is, is that we desire more than anything that our relationship would flourish more than just the individual in the relationship flourish. I, I, was, I was listening to some, uh, uh, some uh, teaching on parenting this past week and uh, uh, the guy made this statement and it just was amazing. He said, he's a Christian counselor and he said he has parents come up to him all the time and ask him this question. They say, why does my son think he is the center of the universe? And he said, the answer is really simple, because you have treated him like he is. You have treated him like he is the center of the universe. You eat what he wants to eat, you go where he wants to go, you get up when he wants to get up, you lay down when he wants to lay down, you do what he wants to do, and your whole family has now been subjected under the lordship of a three-year-old child. so true and he said and I thought was this excellent he said and you are setting your child up for great failure because how many of you know when they grow up and go to work and they get a boss that is not their mama or their daddy he doesn't care when you get up he doesn't care when you go to bed he doesn't care what you want to eat. He just wants his job done and done the way he wants it done. Or you don't have a job tomorrow. And here's the reality that many times we have ungodly relationships that begin to suck the life out of us, even in our families. And then he made this statement. I'm just going to throw this at you. I thought it was great. Y'all know we were getting, I thought it was all about relationships. Parent and child relationships important. How many of y'all know that? He said one person in the family, no one person in the family should take value over the holistic well-being of the whole family. He said we should all work together for the well-being of the family, not just the well-being of one person. Now we understand that there's biblical order in the family, the husband's head of the wife, and, and husbands and wives are, to, to, uh, are given authority over their children. That doesn't change the authoritative structure of the family. It just means that you know what? We begin to build a family that functions out of love. A love that has a mutual care for one another, that places a value not just on what I want, but on what we need. And if you're in a relationship that has no concern for your well-being, you're in an ungodly relationship that will ultimately suck everything it has out of you. And that happens, again, not just in dating relationships. That happens in business deals. There are, business, there are, there are businesses that come together, and one, one side of the business is, is all he's thinking about is himself, and the other side is thinking about, man, this will be a good thing for both of us, and I want to help him, and he wants to help me. But in reality, if both people are not giving of that sincere love, one person will ultimately consume the other. And usually they'll suffer, somebody will suffer great loss. Now let me give you a closing scripture right here, Proverbs, or excuse me, Proverbs, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Thinking of others as better than yourself. That's a pretty powerful statement. Thinking of others as better than yourself. How many of you know that when God sent Jesus, he placed a value on us that was pretty high.
He valued us so much he gave his greatest gift to redeem us. Look at the rest of this verse. Don't look out only, go back there, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Don't just look out for your own interest. Not, it's not, relationship is not about what's best for me. It's about what's best for us. Relationship is not about what's best for me. It's about what's best for us. What's best for us in our family, what's best for us in our marriage, what's best for us in our friendship, what's best for us in the dating relationship, what is best for us. And that's what sincere love does. Sincere love places value on the other person. And when there's a mutual exchange of sincere love, I just want to tell you something, unbelievable, amazing things happen when we love each other that way. Unbelievable, amazing things happen when we love each other. That way. For those of you note takers, I'll give you the last point on your screen, on your notes. All the note takers will come up to me after church and say, you didn't fill this in. It's the last point from last week. Let me just say this in closing. Relationships are challenging. But they are central to life. So Proverbs 4, we read it last week. We're not going to read it this week, but Proverbs 4, you can go home and read it, gives us this instruction. Guard your heart, fix your eyes, mark your path, and then stay the course. Guard your heart, fix your eyes on what God has called you to do, mark a clear path to go where God's calling you to go, and then stay the course. And cultivate relationships that enable you to do that. 